Welcome to Everything You Need Is Within, a Spotify Greenroom live audio show and podcast produced by and for Gen Z. With me, your host, Gigi Robinson. Welcome back to this week's episode of Everything You Need Is Within. Tonight, I have an amazing guest who I actually met at a photo shoot, which is a long story that we'll get into later. I cannot wait for all of you to learn from her and to hear about her story. Um, This is a guest that I think you can all gain a lot of wisdom from, especially anybody that is creative or within the creative industry. Um, This this is definitely an episode you need to listen to. So without further ado, I am going to introduce my friend and uh, I would say she hopefully will be a mentor of mine throughout my career, um, Vicki March. So welcome. Well, hi. Hi. Thank you so much Thank for you having for me. agreeing to come to okay. this. I mean, you're probably like, okay, I met this girl once and she's probably a lot of personality, but you know what? Let me just take a chance on her. And I, <laughs> I think, but let me just say, I will say there is something about good and good, making good first impressions, which I want to get into later. And I'm sure we totally can, um, as this episode goes on, but first, can you introduce yourself um, in terms of like your career, your education background, um, how you ended up as the senior art director at Amazon Fashion Studios in New York City? Sure. Um, well, uh, my my uh, education is I actually have a master's in fine arts uh, for theater and performance. And I got that from the Oslo Conservatory, which is affiliated with Florida State University. It was a fantastic program. I got my equity card and a master's degree after a two-year program, which brought me to New York City, of course. And uh, after waiting tables for a while and doing uh, some theater, mostly off-Broadway and off-off-off-Broadway, I um, I stumbled into this career as a stylist. And, uh, you know, it's always about saying yes to opportunities. And I had an opportunity to become a stylist in the fashion world. And I knew a little bit about sewing and tailoring and and just said yes. And I was a stylist in New York City for over 20 years. And one of the opportunities that presented itself was with Amazon. And this is about 10 years ago where Amazon was just burgeoning uh, as a fashion site. And I worked for them and uh, I transitioned into being an art director uh, there. And the studio moved to Brooklyn, New York in 2013. And I started the studio there as the art director. I wasn't senior at that time. And then through, uh, I've been there now for eight years and became senior art director, I want to say maybe three years ago, uh, four years ago, actually. So uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell very quickly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I think this is like a true testament, especially when it comes to being a creative um, in in any creative industry. Um, I would say it's really about 
just taking that chance, like you're saying, and just being willing to like fall on your face if that's what happens, but also be okay not studying or not doing exactly what you sought out to do initially, which it sounds like it was theater and performance. Um, So can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you navigated that uh, uncertainty or maybe that feeling or some of those emotions of what it may have felt to kind of like leave something you were so passionate about or you got a degree in? Um, Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, it's interesting having an acting uh, degree because I think I said this to you when we met. Sometimes if I don't know what I'm doing, I just act like I do. And and that has uh, served me quite well. And what I mean by that is, is I think everybody has has it inside of them. They have the capacity, but they're fearful. And and that and I try not to let my life be ruled by that fear and by that uncertainty. So I just move forward. I, I listen, I observe, and I and I have a good a, a good self esteem that I think I sure I can do that. Sure I can. And like I said before, I think it's a lot about just saying yes. It's um it's quite easy to say no at first. That's the easy way. But if you just say, yes, let me try something new. And like you said, you might fall on your face, but you won't know until you try that. And navigating it is it's difficult, especially as a freelancer. You have to you're you know, you're only as good as your last job. You constantly have to reinvent yourself. But if you do that in an honest and open way, you, you find yourself more and more and more, and you attract the people that you want to be around. And I, I think that that has served me well in my life. So I love that, um, first of all. Second of all, you talked about building this confidence, even if you don't feel like confident in the moment. Can, do you have any tips or any like exercises that you've learned over the years to help you kind of like get out of a funk or just like kind of get over yourself and get out of your own way in an instance where like you might actually be really nervous or not confident? Um, I feel like that's something a lot of young people, especially over the, the past year, um, have been dealing mm-hmm. with um, because of the pandemic. Uh, just due to, I think, the fact that we've been inside and isolated. I mean, anyone anyone could probably have this issue, but I specifically see, um, you know, young 20-somethings and uh, high schoolers and, you know, teenagers right now kind of dealing with this concept of what it means to go out um, again and to, to re-socialize, and part of that's really scary. Um, so, you know, with that, what would you say like to me or to somebody who needs a little confidence boost? Yeah, that's really difficult. We all, we all have that. We all suffer. And I would use the word suffer from this feeling of self-worth that we're not good enough. And, you know, that's a really difficult one, Gigi. I I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, there's something inside of you that you just have to find that strength. I, I, completely advocate and I know in this time of pandemic that we have all been very isolated I you know having friends even one other person that you can really talk to that you can be your true self with and express those fears I think that's really important I think a lot of people hold them inside and they think no one else feels the way that I do right now and if you're able to find that one person or 
you know, it could be a parent, a teacher, a, a mentor, like you said, a, a, a friend, a peer, and just be really honest with them about how you're feeling and have that conversation. Um, you know, the other thing I'm a big fan of is um, it, it sounds so trite sometimes, but there's the power pose where you just plant your feet on the ground, you hold your hands up outside, out to the side of you, pound on your chest a little bit and say, I am good enough. I am good. Mm -hmm. I am what you need. And today's your lucky day that I decided to, to work for you, be with you. Um, you know, it's, it's something that you just have to find it within. It's very difficult to find it outside yourself. And I know in this time of social media and a lot of that fear of missing out, I, I still suffer from it. I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not perfect. You know, I'll see somebody went to a party that I didn't get invited to. And I'm like, hmm, what's up with that? And then, you know, you just realize that's Instagram life, right? So you just right. have to, there, there has to be something that comes from within and, and boy, I know how difficult that is. And I sympathize, empathize with it as well. Yeah. It's really interesting that you said that thing about, about Instagram, kind of like that FOMO. And I mean, this, this could really go down, mm -hmm. I think a rabbit hole because, um, you know, part of what you do is direct, um, on this like super high level, um, photo shoots, video shoots, you know, campaigns that people are then going to digest and hopefully like, you know, buy um, from that product or like create these really beautiful assets that brands are going to use for profit at the end of the day. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting because again, yeah. at the end of the day, you're doing something that you love and it's so that other brands can like make a profit, but then you add this factor of social media to it and you're like, okay, here's this, you know, campaign, let's say, um, you know, once my, my, my edits from the shoot come out, um, it's like Gigi's posting how she was like, you know, um, chosen to be mm -hmm. the face of this like fall campaign. Um, I feel like I'm not good enough because, you know, Gigi has her shit together mm -hmm. and I'm out here like you guys. No. Um, cause I think the most interesting, the most interesting part about those responses to me is the fact that people kind of negate or they don't acknowledge how long it took you to get from point A to point B. And like, I'm not saying that the FOMO is necessarily the FOMO is warranted regardless. Like mm -hmm. I can't tell anyone how to feel or how to not feel, but I think people have to be more conscious about why they're having FOMO. And if it has to do with like them projecting um, the fact that like they feel like they're not developed in their own confidence enough, or if they're just simply like that person's so much more ahead of me in my, in my goal mm -hmm. than them. So I think that that was just a very, very interesting point that you brought up. And it's a very real point um, for that matter. Again, I said, I get messages like this all the time of, you know, how do you do this? How did you do that? Um, you know, can you share this contact with me? Blah, blah, blah. And like, I think it's really interesting that it's happening now. Um, because at a certain, at a certain point, like, when I guess since you've made it so far in your career, okay, I'm sorry. I'm like talking and reframing a question at the same time in my mind. Um, and th this is the beauty of live audio and the way that I like to do these shows because yeah, I good. sometimes do these tangents and I hope that people aren't confused by my thought process. But anyway, um, 
my, my question here is when you are operating on a high level, how do you pick and choose where to spend your energy in terms of sharing and mentoring and, um, you know, helping others when you still have a job to do? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Uh, as an art director, you are responsible for you. You're responsible for the tone of that day, how you how you set the tone with with the entire crew. So it's you know usually there's a photographer, there may be a stylist, an assistant, photo assistants, uh, clients can be in the room, hair and makeup artists, the music is loud, all of that. But most important is the subject of that photo shoot that day. That person, they could be a model. They, they're usually a model in, in my case, um, unless someone comes in to get their portrait taken. Who You know, I do that too. Sometimes a corporate person will come in and need their portrait done, and I kind of direct them as well. But they are... They, their comfort level is the most important because selfishly, I need to get that content. I need to get that person mm -hmm. to smile. I need, like, I don't know if I said that to you, Gigi, the day that we met, but I never mm -hmm. want a model to come in. I want a person. Right. I don't want, yeah. I don't want you to pretend that you're comfortable in front of the camera. I want you to be comfortable in front of the camera. I want you mm -hmm. to give me you, not, not posing and you can always tell when someone's nervous or they they hold their hands in a certain way or they're very stiff so I try to use I use a lot of humor that's that's a lot <laughs> um, I try to make people as comfortable as possible with humor and and uh, you know to try to make them feel like I am on their side no matter what happens I got you and that that's how I try to make people feel the day that they're there, because it's a big deal to be in front of the camera with all those people looking at you. It, you know, I, I'm very empathetic to, to that. And, and so when, when I'm directing, that's my main focus is who is in front of the camera and how they can portray what I need them. I mean, it is a bit selfish. I, I have a contract with the client. They want something out of that person mm -hmm. that day. So I need to figure out yeah. how to get it in the most authentic way possible. And what is like, like, I know you mentioned some of them and actually, um, now that I'm thinking about it, you did say like, I came to the set and I'm like ready. And I think for everyone, um, listening, this was like, I've done photo shoots before, um, where I've modeled, but I've never done a photo shoot in the sense that like, it's like, you know, me, Gigi, like, you know, modeling for a brand. Like, it's always just been, oh, like you, you know, girl, like come model. Um, <laughs> so I like show up to Amazon studios, which I've never been to before. Um, and like Vicky said, it's in Brooklyn in New York city in this just gorgeous, gorgeous building. Um, it looks like it's an incredibly efficient, um, studio, you know, there's hair and makeup, there's, um, you know, these little, like, kind of like it looked like it could be deconstructed at any point, um, which it sounds like that might be the case some, for yeah. some, maybe in a non-COVID world. Um, and, uh -huh. you know, I show up and like we're, we're talking and we're just, you know, you're showing me everything and I'm like, oh, okay, like what are we shooting? And I think you, the first thing you said was you. And I was like, oh, wait, what do you mean? And I think you were like, <laughs> we're shooting Gigi for Zappos Adaptive. And I was like, wait, what? Like, like not just like modeling. You're like, no, like it's going to be like 
you. Like we're going to, you know, you're born and raised in New York girl. Let's get that skyline in the background. (laughs) You know, like I think you said something along the lines of that. And that was something that I really enjoyed. And obviously it was like a privilege that I was even able to be in an opportunity or, or given an opportunity to do that. But Um, With that, I wanted to transition the conversation a little bit into what it means to be professional on set, uh, because I know with, um, I know you said, you know, being comfortable in the camera and and whether that is acting or um, doing videos or photos, um, I want to hear it from an art director, like what should we be doing? doing or not doing. Um, and I think the second, the latter part of this question is going to be, um, how can we leverage the position that we have with social media to make us more comfortable on sets in real life? Okay. (laughs) Great question. Um, my first thing I would say is be on time. Mm. (laughs) That is, it sounds so simple, but it is so important uh, to just be on time. That's why I learned that in the theater, the classic that when you're early, you're on time. And when you're on time, you're late. So be 10 minutes early because you know, when you need to be somewhere at 9am and you walk in the door at 9am, you're a little stressed. You're a little, you know, you want to kind of get yourself settled. So that's my first. And that's a real sign of professionalism is someone who is, who respects the the job that day that they that they're doing and themselves and everyone around you to just be on time and and I know that sounds so simplistic but you have no idea how many people are late. Um, the second thing is just be prepared as a model, as an actor, as a as a professional in that mm-hmm. industry. You come in with clean hair. You come in with clean finger and toenails. It sounds, again, so simple, but it's so important. Um, models many times are blank canvases. They come in and they, they come in just as their themselves, but then they get they get painted, right? They get hair and makeup, they get their hair done, they get clothed, they're wearing things that are not their own clothes. And so they need to come as, as, as kind of um, clean. We have a thing in Amazon, just clean and safe. And that just, that sounds funny, but it's very important. The other thing is to, is to listen. You know, people that take great direction are listeners and they, they don't come in with any preconceived notions. Of course, my other thing is I want you to be yourself. I don't want you to put on any airs or, you know, a, a lot of times I'll say, uh, you know, I'll say, put your hand on your head, you know, take your hand off your head, put your hand on. And I'll say, act as if you are waiting for your Uber. You're standing on the street. You're waiting for you. How do you stand when you do that? Because that gives them authenticity. How do you stand at a party when your best friend walks in the room? What is it? What does it look like on your face? What is that smile? Not the cheesy smile you think I want. The true, authentic, the, the real energy that you feel in your gut at that moment. Uh, a lot of times, models are considered like the other. You know, they're the 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 ones on the stage. I don't think that. I think the model is a part of the crew. I think that everyone has to bring their A game at all times. The photographer, the stylist, the model, hair and makeup, everyone has to bring their A game. 
and uh, and taking direction is really important. Um, you know, even if you're not experienced, and sometimes the best models that come to me are completely inexperienced, but they're so willing to try. Some of the best models I've ever worked with are children. You know, they, they, they have no preconceived notions. They don't know what they're doing. They get on the stage and I tell them, you know, we get them laughing and then all of a sudden they're just themselves and the camera starts snapping and you get these magical moments. But that to me is the most professionalism is just um, respecting yourself and respecting everyone that's in that room at, the, at that time. And that's when you get beautiful images. Yeah, I could I could not agree with you more. I um I have been shooting like photography for quite some time. I um, only a couple times have like worked on sets. Um, I've assisted quite a ton, um, but kind of just, I think there was this one point in college where, um, you know, I decided like, am I going to be in front of the camera or behind it? Can I do both? And what does that look like? Um, And how can I, you know, take like you're saying, this professionalism along for the ride with me um, outside, even if I do freelance it, um, if I just go that route. And I think exactly what you're saying, you know, showing, I've heard that quote multiple times, by the way, where you said, you know, showing up five minutes or or 10 minutes early is on time and um, on time is late. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I live by that. Also, I was born and raised in New York City. So being on time is something that I knew I had to prepare for a 15 to 30 minute delay. So, you know, that was something that was always super, super important sure. <laughs> to me to always make sure that I um, was on on top of it and early because you never know who is going to be somebody that will impact your life or believe in you. And there's been a lot of moments, I think, in my career where one, I've been fearless to kind of just like reach out to people. And that came out of being a really shy person, believe it or not, um, in high school and in middle school and growing up. And um, I don't know if it was that I just didn't have Mm -hmm. the confidence or what my deal was. Looking back, I'm still trying to figure out kind of what that inner child was thinking um, and and why I did that. But now at 23, all these years later, um, I would say even like in the past like two years, really just like focusing exclusively on like, how can I build my confidence so that I can work them like efficiently, as you mentioned, um, and intentionally. Um, Because at the end of the day, we're given a certain amount of time here, right? We might as well do something we like. We might as well work with people that we like. Um, and we might as well also mm-hmm. start shooting our shot, you know, and and really just going for it. And I mean, the rest is kind of history of how, I mean, I even got connected to the Amazon Studios team and the Zappos team and that photo shoot and how I met you. And that's, that was just a series of, of events. Um, thanks to, uh, I see Kosi down there in the mm-hmm. chat. Uh, she is my publicist and she's awesome and very, very helpful. And I think as you grow your business, it is so important to obviously be respectful of the people working with you because you never know again, what opportunity is going to come up. She introduced me to runway of dreams and gamut management. Um, from there, they saw, you know, an opportunity for me to model for Zappos adaptive. And from there I met you and 
that's just, that's just how it rolls. And it's like this like never ending sequence. I think, you know, I was on LinkedIn, um, a couple of weeks ago and somebody that I know liked something. And then, um, someone texted me or Instagram DM to me like, Oh, I saw you like this thing on LinkedIn. Did you want to get connected to, you know, their creator, uh, like their head of creators. And I'm like, uh, yeah, obviously. So I like connect with him. He's like, Oh, do you know, after we have our great chat, he's like, do you know anyone I should connect with and so on and so forth. So you really never know who you're going to meet and at what time you're going to meet them. And I also think the biggest thing that's super, super important when it comes to professionalism is never really expect anything, um, but always show up prepared as you're saying, um, because things can always just go like one way or another. Um, again, I showed up, I thought I was probably doing like some like e-commerce photo shoot. And instead I was like, so pleasantly surprised with like this incredible team of what was it that day? I think it was like a team of eight or nine, uh, working on this campaign. Um, and you know, it, it just was so much fun. Like the energy was like yeah. electric and fun. And, um, I was able to be a little bit like goofy and loose, like towards the end, um, because I, I just got comfortable with the the people that were around me. So that was, yeah, that that's for sure something that I, I really appreciate. Um, now is what I like to call uh, water break time. So if you have a drink or a water or whatever next to you, or if you want a snack, um, now is usually the time. So just do a little, take a, take some water, rehydrate. I think if anyone's listening, make sure that you're staying hydrated. Your daily dose of hydrating, Hy- hydration. <laughs> I have my water right here. I make sure to do this um, once or twice in my episodes just because they are sometimes long episodes and truthfully, I think we can never have enough water, um, which is super important. So, okay, let's dive into, I guess, the second portion of this conversation, which I think um, is really hopefully going to be about um, how as an art director, you're involved with kind of like the diversity that shows up on set and why that's important, um, how you can help direct and facilitate that um, in an intentional way. Um, I feel like right now, uh, there's been a big shift in media over the past couple of years to diversify who is in their advertisements. And um, sometimes I feel like from, you know, a creative side, um, there can be a little bit of like questioning of like, well, did you just put this one person in because of their um, disability or because of their race or because of their ethnicity? And I think it's really interesting to try to just understand from, your perspective from an art director's perspective of like how that whole process goes down and how you do it intentionally and how you do it um, with care and also make sure, like you said, that you're living up to your end of the bargain um, for a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, I do believe the tide has turned and it, it can only go more and more and mm-hmm. more in my opinion. Uh, I, you know, I work for Amazon and in, and, and Amazon owns Zappos. So I am privileged to work with these two companies right. that have an enormous customer base. 
And and in order to, ref- I, I fervently believe that we need to reflect our customer base while attracting new customers, of course. Well, our customer base are not all size two, you know, women with straight blonde hair. So we have to be very aware of that. The fashion industry has for too long really just represented uh, what what they have considered to be the ideal. And I think that has mm-hmm. contributed to a lot of, and like you said, a lot of young people not feeling like they're good enough, they're worth their worth. Yeah. And I think that that is, that has to come crashing down. So at Amazon, I'm very fortunate as senior art director, I work very closely with the casting director and she, and we work uh, across the board to represent skin tone, size diversity, um, and ability diversity. Now, with Zappos, they opened my eyes. I have to be very honest. I had never worked with a model with disabilities before until Zappos came around with their wow. line. Wow, I love that. And it was... I I remember going to sleep the night before the the next day that I had the shoot. And I thought, well, you know, this is something completely new for you. Just go at it as you would with any other human being, you know, um, come Mm -hmm. in at it with your humor and your and your energy and your respect. And it's going to go fine. And it was one of the most extraordinary days of my life that I worked with a young man that was in a wheelchair and saw him navigating his world just as, as you know, watch how he had to come into the studio. And it started opening my eyes to this amazing young person who wanted to be cool and sexy, you know, just like everybody mm-hmm. else. And the the choice of clothing that he had was was really kind of dismal, except for Tommy Hilfiger, who is the really to this day, the only major designer that has taken adaptive clothing into consideration. And boy, did I learn a lot from it. Um, And as the shoots, as I did more and more shoots with different models, with different degrees of of disability, which I'm still, I still kind of trip over that terminology because I'm trying really hard to change my vocabulary. I no Mm -hmm. longer use the word plus. Plus what? I think when you use something like plus, you you automatically label it as the other. And and I'm mm-hmm. very, very cognizant of that. I, I, I work with my team at Amazon to not use that terminology, to be very careful about the way you use your words, because words are so powerful. Absolutely. So, so I have been so privileged with Zappos to be able to work with with these incredible, um, you know, so far, except for the last shoot that we did together, Gigi, where the model was <laughs> a little more mature. Yeah. There are these young, incredibly vibrant, in the world, ambitious young people that through either birth or an accident have found themselves with, you know, air quotes, a disability, whether they be yeah. in a wheelchair or they have a prosthetic limb or however it occurred. It is they they still want what everybody else wants. They want a great pair of jeans, <laughs> you know. They want to look great, and yeah. And I, as an art director, it is my job to 
sell those clothes, right? Sell any clothes. Mm -hmm. And we don't just shoot adaptive clothing. We shoot, you know, all kinds of, uh, let's say, you know, a billabong t-shirt or, or, or anything that, that uh, just represents, you know, vitality and fashion out in the world. Um, With my work, I really want to work more and more with designers or maybe design my own line with someone because I realize that that just the simple act of buttoning a button can be really difficult mm-hmm. for some people. Yeah. And, uh, and I love what Tommy has done, but, you know, sometimes I'll work with some young, hip, cool. Uh, there's one young man that comes to mind that was just, the, just such a hip. And, you know, we had him in the Tommy Hilfiger, which is really not really cool, but I could tell that he would, he would wear something a little more out there, you know, and it just isn't available. So that right. really opened my eyes to that. It's it's, and I've spoken to Amazon about this. That you're also not servicing an enormous population, and and we need to to really wake up to that fact. And I challenge all designers. I challenge all companies to be much more aware of that. Absolutely, I think you touched on so many amazing things here. Um, you know, it's. To me, like you said, it's an enormous population. Um, I just Googled it for some quick stats, but um, about 61 million adults and or 26% um, or one in four adults in the United States of America have some type of disability. And I almost can guarantee that if you um, are listening now, um, you could probably think of one or several people in your life or in your extended uh, circle of life that you know who has a disability. Um, So when you, when you think about that um, and you think about something as simple, like you said, as buttoning up a shirt um, is not simply possible for a population of people, like that's not fair. Um, And how can we, how can we solve that issue? Because it is an issue. Um, And like you said, how do you, how do you, sell something ethically um, when, you know, at the end of the day, like you are selling it to a certain small population. So like you're in it for like to make it look like the the best that it can look. Um, And also obviously you're remembering that not every single person who buys that item is going to look exactly the same as, or have the same disability or condition as um, the the model, which I, I found very, um, interesting to, to think about as well. And um, I think the world of adaptive fashion is just getting started. I mean, I, I walked in the, the runway of dreams mm-hmm. and um, that was, you know, I walked in it a day before the photo shoot. I got home at like one in the morning and I was like, oh my God, I have to leave at seven o'clock and just like get to that shoot on time and, and everything like that, which is top of mind. But the point is, is um, I will literally never forget this story. And it was, I just think it's going to be something I'm going to remember forever, but I was about to close the show, which by the way, they, uh, they told me like three or four hours before I started getting ready that I was closing the show. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like the day of, like, it wasn't something I could prepare for. They just kind of whisked me into it. And again, that was something where I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to be doing, what was going to be expected of me other than walking down the runway wearing JCPenney, which was also really 
awesome um and so so trendy um like you said they had a lot of like kind of like uh-huh. businessy uh you know casual like date night kind of stuff too which I thought was really awesome and so they tell me that I'm closing the show and I turned to this uh sweet little eight-year-old girl behind me who was uh opening the show um but since I was closing like I was last in line and then basically after a fashion show, like I think all the models walk one last time. So I turned to her like literally right before. And I'm like, is it scary out there? Like, were you nervous again? I'm 23. She's eight years old. We got a, we got a lot of age between us. And, uh, she said, no. (laughs) And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, there's just a bunch of people out there smiling at you. Like there's nothing to be scared about. I know. Right. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this seriously is shifting my perspective. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to own it. I'm going to have the best time. I'm going to eat it up. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, I know we started this conversation off talking about fear. Had I gone out there with like fear in me, I probably would have had this experience of like, I was so nervous and, you know, I don't really know about it. But instead, I reframed that um, thanks to this eight-year-old girl. Um, and, uh, she, we actually, you know, I, I refer right. Thanks to this eight year old girl and, um, who knows what, what it would have been like. And we had another conversation too, like while we were on this line and she looked, she looked at me up and down because, um, again, for those of you that have been following me for some time, um, I have, uh, chronic illness, several chronic illnesses. Um, one of them is called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And at times it can be very debilitating. Um, I definitely think it's a dynamic disability. It's something that at, at points in my life, it, it really messed me up, um, and really left me disabled. And at other points in my life, um, I, you know, I've been completely fine or I've looked completely fine. Um, but that's also a whole other complicated subject. And this little girl looks at me and she says, well, um, what's, she looks at me up and down and she has an amputated arm. So, um, you know, that was something that again, is like a physical disability that, uh, she could see and comprehend. But for me, she was like, what the heck is wrong with you? Um, and I'm like, I know that's like a very interesting question. And I appreciate it. Um, because at the end of the day, I think curiosity is what fuels conversation, which can then fuel change. Um, so, being able to represent, mm-hmm. you know, dynamic disability, chronic illness, um, and invisible disability, um, on screen, on camera, on, in photos, in campaigns is like amazing to me because a lot of the times, like you said, we are showcasing a mm-hmm. lot of, uh, similar, similar people, um, but without people like you who are advocating for change and advocating for representation um, in campaigns and in sales, um, also predominantly, I think now, because a lot of people are really interested in buying something from a real person and not just, you know, an e-commerce store. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so I think I think that has been a little bit of the trend. Would you say that that has like also contributed mm-hmm. to? Yeah. The, the shift in marketing or has it been internal or has it been a shift in morals? Like what ultimately has made this shift uh, kind of trendy and hot and, and also at the forefront of what the company's doing right now? I, I hope yeah. it's not a trend. I, I, you know, I hope it's just, it, we just move forward uh, from, from what the fashion industry has represented for yeah. so long. 
Um, because, you know, like I said before, every, every age, every ability, every skin tone, color, every size, they want to be, we all need to be represented. Yes. We, all, we all need to get up in the morning and get dressed. Right. So um, I think that, I, I I hope that it's not just this kind of flash in the pan trend. And I really right. don't think it is. I know for sure it isn't at Amazon or Zappos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, um, I volunteer as the diversity and inclusion ambassador for North America with Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I work globally with uh, other people that they're, they're entire, we, we're just dedicated toward, towards, everyone feeling included. I think that's the big word inclusion. So no one is excluded. And it's a really exciting time to be in, to be in my industry right now, to be in fashion, because I was also in fashion at the time where everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. the best thing was to be as thin as possible. And, you know, 5'10 right. and very, very thin. You know, I don't want to denigrate that either. There are people out there that are thin and 5'10 and they, they also should be represented. Mm-hmm. But I, I never want that to be the ideal and anything beyond that be the other because it, 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 we just need to, we need to shatter right. that. And I think we need to shatter that from when a child is, you know, two years old. I mean, there it's been um, documented that when, when adults speak to children, the first thing they'll say to a little boy is you're so strong. And the first thing they'll say to a little girl is you're so pretty. I love your dress. Mm-hmm. You know, you look so pretty. And, and I think we just right. need to shatter that. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to have kind of had the scope of my career where I've seen it both ways. And now I just think the sky is the limit. It is uh, now it's a national, you know, advertising, like you said, campaigns. You see every uh, Old Navy just did a really wonderful um, campaign where mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've been to an Old Navy recently, but I, I was looking for a T-shirt the other day. So I went in and on the same table are extra smalls all the way up to 7X. Same table, all available, right. same, you know, color. So no longer does, do people have to kind of hope that something comes in their size. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be involved in this, in, in this revolution. Absolutely. I, I so agree. It is a revolution that is happening within the fashion industry. I think the next thing that hopefully we can start to see a change in is the runway. Um, Cause we all know runway fashion is a whole other world <laughs> um, when it comes to yeah. diversity um, or body diversity, I should say, and and, and ability. And um, Mm -hmm. I so agree with you that it should not be a trend. It should be something that people are just doing and including in their brands and saying, whoa, 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 we actually sell to this demographic. This is, you know, what we might need to also sell, but also remember that um, we don't want to exclude them in any way. So how can we represent people, um, authentic people, real people, not just models um, in our campaigns as well, which I think is, it's just really exciting. It's an exciting time for fashion um, as well. And I can't wait to see it grow. And like you said, um, although the Tommy adaptive line is amazing and I was lucky enough to get to try it on in person, um, I would love to see some more 
kind of trendy up mm-hmm. out there uh, outfits, not, not only from them, but from uh, whoever yeah. it is, like you said, even if it's you or, or, you know, you partner with a brand or something, I think that's awesome. And, and also at the end of the day, that goes back to um, mm-hmm. what you, what you used to do in fashion, in the fashion industry. So some, some crazy way, there was some plan that was supposed to happen all along that gave you this perspective so that maybe you could be this like incredible designer. You could innovate in a space (laughs) that, um, should have existed all along, but didn't. And now you get to kind of forage your way through that opportunity, which I just think is, uh, super, super awesome. Um, it is time for another water break and then, uh, we can do some questions uh down here in the chat or uh we can just kind of feel out the next 15 10 minutes <laughs> i know what i want to ask you about next <laughs> oh something about water at night just it, really it's good i love it um I wanted to ask you what it was like being a art director throughout the pandemic and how you handled that um, from a leadership perspective when it comes to the safety of cast and crew, as well as uh, the mental health uh, aspect of it um, and of being out of work if you were at any point. Well, um, I, we were not out of work Mm -hmm. for very long. Uh, we did, we did, of course, like everyone, we shut down, uh, I believe it was March 16th, if I'm not mistaken, 2020. Um, and it just threw everything as we all know, who are listening right now, it just turned all of our worlds upside down. Um, And when we did go back to work, I think we went back, the studio reopened in July of 2020 uh, and the pandemic was still raging out there. We did a lot of um, pre-work. Amazon is um, very methodical. No, no decision gets made in a vacuum. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of thought behind decisions that get made. Uh, but we did know that we needed to get back to work and we work the studio that you were in Gigi is a, mm-hmm. a, a close to over 85% freelancers. So wow. we, we run it a very um, lean and mean uh, full time uh, because freelancers are what kind of bring the energy into the space. You know, they go out and they mm-hmm. do other work and then they come back to us and, and, uh, and just, you know, bring fresh perspectives. So it was it was very top of mind for me that we we get back to work, but of course in an extremely safe way. And so I I was extremely fortunate, and I and I realized I never lost my job. I was uh, able to work from home for uh, maybe six weeks, close to two months. So we never I never lost my job, but I did get up every morning and and take lots and lots and lots of uh, mm-hmm. we call them chime calls, but they're Zoom calls basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that when we did go back to the studio, it, it looked very different than it did before. There were all kinds mm-hmm. of you can only walk in one direction in the hallway. We were operating at a 50 percent capacity. Um, every, of course, everyone was masked and a six feet distance. We had models come in and they styled themselves. So no one touched them. Uh, so on a set was a stylist, but they did everything verbally. 
which was kind of um, comical, <laughs> I do have to say, but also it was kind of, um, hey team, let's put on a show kind of vibe. Uh, freelancers were so grateful to be back uh, making some some money again. And, and we just kind of all took a collective breath and thought, how can we do this as safely as possible? Um, and I, I know we were not alone. Other, other uh, companies were also going back, but with baby steps, uh, just things like, um, you know, before COVID, uh, we used to have these very raucous lunch times where everybody would sit together and laugh and talk and, push tables together, you know, and eat from sort of a buffet situation. Well, of course, all that had to change. And uh, tables were all placed uh, more than six feet apart, like eight feet apart, where people would sit by themselves at a table with a boxed lunch. You know, just it, sa- it, it sounds kind of trite, but it was what we had to do uh, to get back. And, um, you know, now that I look back on it, it was kind of amazing that we accomplished what we did. Um, and got a lot of people back to work. We did eliminate hair and makeup artists. So again, the models did their own hair and makeup. And uh, some of them were very good at it. And (laughs) oddly, some of them were not. So again, you know, it was just coaching. We had a lot of coaching, a lot of, um, again, some humor involved. And then mental health wise, that was really difficult because we did have some folks that lost uh, family members to COVID. Uh, We had some people that did have COVID. So that comes you when you have it, you, it comes from a very different place. And we had to be very cognizant of the fact that people were hurting. There was a lot of pain and we had to talk about it. You know, we just, we just tried to sort of heal each other in a way Uh, And I'm really, really proud of of the way we came and we have not come through it because, of course, we're still in the pandemic. We're still trying to maintain social distance. You were in the studio. You saw some of the some of the precautions that we've taken. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. And uh, and it was it was a journey. It certainly was a journey. And uh, none of us saw it coming for sure. And I will, um, and I don't think we'll all ever be the same. There's, you know, there's a collective uh, experience that we've all had and we, we have memories of it. And um, I think it's brought us closer together, actually. Yeah, that's, that's really definitely, um, I would say, I don't want to say it's like, a, it's great to hear that, you know, in the event of, I think this eventually is going to be, you know, a generational trauma in a way uh, that we can all yes. talk about and have all experienced in a different way together. Um, you know, I, I just think it's it's really interesting how within a huge company, um, you know, you hear about how you made it work and the things that you changed and the things that um, maybe you tried out that did, didn't work or maybe in the whole, like, w- like you said, like they had it all down to a T like from the, from the get-go and you guys were able to prevent a lot of perhaps what could have been a, an internal outbreak. So that's really interesting. And also being respectful of like those freelancers and then uh, helping them out once, you know, they, they came back in. And also, I mean, at the end of the day, let me just say something about freelance hair and makeup artists, which I love them to to preface this with is I can do my own Uh hair and makeup, Mm -hmm. but 
you and I both know <laughs> that when a hair and makeup artist does it on set, there is just something about the way that they know what is going to work in front of the camera and what's going to represent you from seeing you as that blank canvas mm-hmm. or seeing one photo of you and seeing an inspo photo and meeting you in the middle. I mean, there is just something so special about that. So to, to any of my freelance hair makeup artists uh, or freelancers in general, I I love you guys a lot. I love you all. Uh, they have they have the word artist in their title for That's a reason. True, and I completely agree with you. And I miss them dearly. And uh, and I know they will be back soon. Uh, other companies have uh, have brought hair and makeup back. We are being um, just extremely cautious because there is such an intimacy between you know a hair and makeup artist and a model. So. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I'm fingers crossed they will be back in the studios because I, I yeah I know it's kind of crazy how the people we can work with um, kind of become family or they uh, they really just become people that are important in our lives and we just have this like really awesome synergy with and it's like so electric like you were saying and you just get all all together and um again you never know what opportunities come about including um like you said you're like hey like tell me about yourself and I'm like telling you about my show and then you know I was just like you know what Vicky is the perfect person to have this conversation with and I need to have her on my show. So I like to end my episodes by asking my guests what their favorite mantra or quote is. Would you be able to share yours with our audience? Mantra or quote? That's a really good question, Gigi. Um, you know, the, on, the only thing that comes to mind and, it, and it's part and it's part theater and it's part my my philosophy and it comes from the improvisational world. And that are that is yes. And and that sounds very simple, but it's kind of a place of positivity. And if someone in and, and if somebody asks you something, you say yes. And what else is there? <laughs> It opens a door for another opportunity. So I'm going to say yes and. I love that. And I also used to act in high school. So, um, and I did theater and that is one of my absolute favorite quotes and exercises to do, um, especially for team bonding and loosening, loosening up and hearing opportunities and things like that. But um, yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and now I will officially end the episode. Um, it has just been the most amazing conversation with you tonight. Um, I am so grateful that that you spent your Friday evening with me uh, recording and that you shared so much amazing information, especially for young people who are interested in getting into either the marketing, art direction, social media, modeling, creative industry. I know that was quite a, quite a mouthful, um, but <laughs> but thank you so much, Vicky. This was amazing. Um, if people want to connect with you, can I can I link your LinkedIn profile or your website? Absolutely. And Gigi, this was ap- my pleasure. And, and thank you so much. I'm, I I really admire what you're doing. You're so inspiring. And uh, and thank you for spending this time with me. Um, thank you so much I can't wait to meet you again one day we'll be on another set doing something Um, we'll get we'll get a whole team together again I'm so excited um, for everything to come Um, and again thank you so much have a lovely evening thanks Gigi
We have a feeling our paths will cross I have again. A feeling-